United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Did you know that this is the anniversary? Well, not exactly today, but we are just three days removed from the anniversary of the beginning of the Arab Spring. The world has changed so much in these seven years. It started in Tunisia, December the 17th, 2010. Let's put it in perspective. Bill Taylor joins us. Bill's executive vice president at the U.S. Institute of Peace, tweeting at USIP. Bill, welcome back. Thanks for being on POTUS today. Thank you, Tim. It's great to be back. What? To, how do we trace it? What is the precipitating event that we think of as the, the start of the Arab Spring? So the Arab Spring uh, began in Tunisia, as you just said, um, with a fruit seller uh, in the center of the center of the of the country, um, who was dejected. Um, he was disrespected. Uh, he had lost hope, and he burned himself to death. Um, and that triggered um, a major change in the way people in starting in Tunisia, but then, it, as you said, it, go, it went across the region, um, thought about the people, thought differently about themselves, and they realized that they, the people had power to make some changes, and, and they did. And the changes are, were far-reaching, and in some ways not as far-reaching, perhaps, as the United States government wanted. Where, where was it most felt? Most, most felt and, and the most effective and the most lasting um, was in Tunisia, where it started. Mm-hmm. Um, Tunisia is the, uh, I think it's fair to say, the only Arab Spring country, the country that went, the country, of the countries that went through this uh, turmoil and overthrow of uh, dictators. Um, the Tunisians have made it. They made it in that they have maintained their democracy. Um, they overthrew their, their dictator. Um, they came together and wrote a new constitution. Um, they've had elections um, and they've had coalition governments among uh, secular parties, uh, Islamic parties, um, uh, uh, people from the right, people from the left. And the, the real politics that are going on in Tunisia are a model. Now, the problem is that's the only one. Tunisia is the only one that has, has, has made it um, in terms of uh, democratic. And they've got, they've got problems still. I mean, their, their economy is still struggling. Um, they fight with corruption, as do many countries around the world, including ours. Um, so, so there's a lot that uh, they have to face, that the Tunisians have to face, but the Tunisians started it, and they are maintaining it. I think, uh, you know, it's pretty clear that there was a major change in Egypt. Uh, Hosni Mubarak was taken down by this movement, and there have been some, some major changes in that country. I'm not quite sure how they are coming out. And Syria, Bashar al-Assad was the president. The Arab Spring led to an effort to remove him. He is still there. The administration under President Obama had said his days are numbered. Well, they're numbered in more days than President Obama spent in office at this point. So where has it, aside from Tunisia, has it had any progress? And and have we seen at least individuals who thought they would benefit by this kind of movement? Have they felt any more empowered in other places, even if perhaps the government has not moved so quickly or as far as it has in Tunisia? Tim, you make a very good point about Egypt. Um, the Egyptians followed the Tunisian uh, example, um, and as you say, as you say, overthrew Mubarak. Um, they had elections. Um, they then weren't happy with their elections, and they overthrew the, in, a, in a coup. 
um, the elected government that was actually Islamic government. Um, um, and so the, the uh, Mr. General Sisi, um, uh, in a coup, took back the power, and then he ran um, uh, for election and, and won, and has maintained this very harsh crackdown um, on, on many of the Egyptians. However, in answer to your question, the Egyptian people realized uh, back in 2011 um, that they could make changes. Now, they made a change to get rid of Mubarak. Uh, then they supported the coup um, that uh, got rid of the Islamic government. Um, so, but but they, I think the lasting effect in Egypt um, will be a positive one in that the people now see, the people of Egypt now see that they do have a voice. Um, and I think the government um, of Egypt and other countries um, will also recognize that there is a real force um, among, the, among their citizens. This uh, and Bill Taylor with us, executive vice president of um, of the um, um, at the U.S. Institute of Peace, is also a former ambassador. And I, you, you were talking about the uh, the Muslim Brotherhood. Mohammed Morsi, of course, had been president after that, and he was ousted. And and one wonders because the United States was criticized sometimes rightly, sometimes wrongly. I don't know what the full answer is on this, but for sort of allowing what had happened to Hosni Mubarak, he had been an ally and a friend. Uh, I think it was President Obama's opinion that. It is time for let the people of Egypt speak for themselves and do what they want to do. And clearly there was a vacuum left afterwards, and that's where the Muslim Brotherhood moved in, and that did not please a lot of people. And there have been questions about how involved the United States needs to be in these countries that are experiencing this kind of foment. What what should the role of the United States government be when we see things like this taking place? This is a very interesting question. Um, and as you say, we have done this differently over the years. Um, we've been greatly involved in some um, and not very in, involved in the other. I think there is a middle ground where we support values. Uh, we support uh, people um, and, and institutions that push for inclusive, democratic um, uh, ways of making decisions, ways of, of deciding who is uh, to govern them. We don't, we can't force it. Um, and we've made mistakes in trying to, to force demo, democracy and democratic practices. Um, those have to evolve. They did evolve in Tunisia. We didn't have, we had virtually nothing to do um, with the Tunisian uh, Arab Spring, the Jasmine Re Revolution. Um, though that was Tunisia. And similarly, we didn't have, we had very little to do um, with their drafting of the new constitution, which is one of the one of the most progressive constitutions in the whole region. Um, this was Tunisians. I think that's, we have to learn that lesson, Tim. I think we definitely have to recognize that if, if there's going to be real change um, in a country that, that lasts, and a country that has lasting change, it's going to have to be from them. We can support it. We can demonstrate. We can be a model. We can demonstrate how democracy works, and people are having some concerns about our democracy, um, even in this country. Uh, but, but nonetheless, we can be a model of inclusion. We can be a model of tolerance. We can be a model of, of how a democracy works, of how an economy works, how a, a market-based economy works. We can do that, and we can support those people and institutions, mainly civil society kinds of institutions, which are really the drivers of these kinds of uh, movements, um, with 
um, with modest support. I mean, those yeah. that kind of both political support and some modest uh, uh, support on technical assistance and these kinds of things. We're the Institute of Peace is doing a lot of that kind of work um, in in countries to try to tamp down violence, and that's that's something that we can do. It seems to me, Bill, much of the unrest that takes place in these countries is because of the economic issues. For example, the number of young men who are not employed in Egypt right now, uh, the struggling tourism industry, obviously because of the violence they've experienced. And in country after country, you find this. It happened in Iraq after the U.S. had pulled out and the army was disbanded. We had all of a sudden hundreds of thousands of young Iraqi men wandering and not having direction or jobs. And and I, I wonder if there's a way that the U.S. can do anything to sort of not not to necessarily help other economies at our expense. President Trump has issued his, his uh, strategic uh, approach to national security, but I but I do wonder if that may be the root of some of these revolutions. It's certainly a big factor, Tim. You're, you're, it has to be a big factor. People without jobs, young men without jobs, um, uh, without hope, um, they turn to something that uh, that may be attractive, uh, but in the in the end is destructive. And then our role is an interesting one. I mean, we are participants in organizations and institutions and financial institutions uh, like the IMF, the World, and the World Bank, who are pretty good at providing assistance to governments um, so that the governments, um, if they meet certain conditions and reform certain ways and take certain steps that will improve the uh, functioning of their economy, uh, the IMF is notorious or famous for uh, setting standards. Um, and if the countries meet those standards of reform and economic development, um, then they have access to IMF uh, resources, which we contribute to, and we should, and, and others contribute to. So that's a mechanism that we should continue to support um, and that uh, has shown to be pretty effective. Well, we will see how things turn out in 2018, 2017, coming to a close. Bill Taylor, thanks for joining us, and uh, Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you next year. Thank you, Tim, and to you. Bill Taylor, Executive Vice President at the U.S. Institute of Peace. Also, by the way, is a um, special former special coordinator for Middle East transitions in the U.S. State Department, overseeing assistance and support to Egypt, Tunisia, Libya, and Syria, so he knows of what he speaks. And he's also the former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine. We've talked to him about that part of the world from time to time. He is, as I said, at USIP, and that's where you can tweet at USIP. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.